Thanks for listening to the Underdog Podcast presented by the Riley Decker Companies. Please do us a favor and help us change and improve lives by subscribing and giving us a rating on the platform of your choice. Thank you. We have a special guest with us today from the Ohio State University, Coach Chris Holtman. Welcome to uh, the Underdog Podcast. Yeah, it's great to be with you. It's great to be with you. I've heard heard nothing but great things um, about your your podcast and uh, enjoy. Um, look forward to these next few moments. Absolutely. Uh, being originally actually from Columbus, went to Granville Blue Aces out there, not too far away. Shout out to the Blue Aces, as Coach Fickle would say here in Cincinnati, we're a golf school, but I think we're pretty good at football and basketball. But anyway, before I digress on Columbus high school sports, um, really appreciate your your time, Coach. Those that don't know, uh, Coach is the Ohio State men's basketball coach. He's had a great career. Can't wait to share you know his his journey of overcoming adversity and having success. Something I, I love to little knowledge nugget for those listening. Um, you have joined an elite company in the, in, in, in your career, uh, leading your teams to five straight first round tourney wins, joining the likes of Mike Krzyzewski, Jay Wright, Mark Few, Bill Self, Roy Williams, and John Calpari. So that's one hell of a list. When I saw that, I said, wow, <laughs> that's a good list to be on. But this is the Underdog Podcast, Coach. And uh, we really focus on, on, on maybe adversity or a low point in your career and or life to get to you know, being on that list. What would you say is, is one of those toughest moments to kind of lead off? What is maybe one of those lows and how did you overcome you know, to get to where you are today? Yeah, it's a good question, Kyle. I think, um, you know, I think probably I'd point to, point to our, our days at, at Butler where we were uh, unsure as to kind of what the direction of all of our careers were going to go. Um, uh, we worked uh, for a, a great coach who was, um, we'd spent one year working together and then he became ill and uh, wasn't able to continue. And um, I think just that uncertainty and myself and our staff, not quite knowing what, what the next step was going to be. and um, how to navigate that uh, was, you know, was a big challenge and uh, one that I'll point to as uh, kind of a, a, a pivotal turning point in, in our careers as well. Yeah. And I think your AD at the time, it said, you know, you'll be evaluated daily. So when you took that job at, at Butler, which is a great basketball school, um, you know, you were under, you know, extreme pressure to uh, get W's and, I believe you beat what a top five North Carolina team right off the rip. And next thing you know, you're the yeah. head coach. Yeah, no, it was, uh, got fond memories of that particular game. That was in a tournament called the battle for Atlantis. And, uh, we had gotten off to a good start. The, the prior year, uh, when I was an assistant, uh, we had really struggled in, in the big East. We went four and 14 large part because we had lost, um, our best player to a season ending injury. So um, for us, it was really critical um, for, um, you know, for us to, to kind of galvanize our group and we ended up going 12 and six in the league place of four and 14 to 12 and six. And I was the interim coach for most of the season, but that, that particular win over uh, North Carolina, who was top five at the time was a national televised game. And it was, 
um, really, uh, uh, I think, gave us great momentum heading into uh, the, 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 the season and, um, or the, you know, the, the league season. And it was, you know, it was, it was a surreal experience going from, you know, relative an- anonymity that you have when you're an assistant coach, uh, at Butler to, you know, to suddenly being on this national stage. And, um, you know, we tried to handle that with the right kind of maturity and approach and, Man, our players were incredible. They were just, we had a great group of guys who really, and a great staff who really rallied when we all kind of had to just hang on to each other. That was our only, that was our only option. Yeah. And, and just years prior, I don't think you were at Butler at the time, but we're playing a national championship against Duke coming down to the, the very minute. I'll never forget <clears throat> my buddy played for the Pittsburgh Pirates and he got called up uh, from AAA or to AAA right before the season and he calls me and goes, Hey, what are you doing tonight? And I was like, uh, probably watching the national championship at my house. And he goes, well, why don't you come on over? My agent got tickets to the national championship. I was like, I'm there. So I'll never forget going to Lucas oil stadium and f- sliding into the national championship and watching that game, um, which was incredible. Gordon Hayward and, and company. Um, and you know, a couple years later, you're, you're the head man, right? And uh, something I found interesting, Coach, you know, before the Butler in, in that pressure and that in those moments was going back to Gardner-Webb, being, being a head coach, and then taking an assistant job with Butler. And I know that's not uh, an easy move by any means uh, to go from a head job to an assistant job. Can you kind of walk through that decision? And someone that's listening to this, a lot of people are in the business world, that's a career move that a lot of people might be listening and say, what, well, why, why did he do that? Can you kind of define that and, and maybe help some others that are going through that transition? Yeah, for sure. It would be um, comparable to, you know, maybe uh, owning your own small business and then going and working for a large company uh, in hopes of one day being able to, to, to run a larger company. And um, feeling like um, you want the challenge of what it would be like to run a larger company and all that comes with that. And knowing that you probably you may not be able to get there um, in in your current situation. And I think for me, um, you know, that's kind of what it boiled down to. I had incredibly grateful for the opportunity I had to be a head coach at a, at a smaller Division One school and still have uh, great uh, feelings towards that place and that particular AD who hired me at uh, Gardner-Webb. But uh, uh, we were able to elevate the program in three years and get it into a much healthier and better place. Um, We went from a massive rebuild to year three, having um, at that time the best season they had had in school history. Um, So we felt really good about what we were doing as a staff, but I just – you know, I felt like there was a there was a ceiling uh, to what we could be, and um, you know, was was keeping my eyes open, and then was was approached about uh, being a being an assistant at Butler, a place that I had always always really admired, and I think it whether you work in business or whether you work in a school system or whether you work in um, um, you know, college athletics, there are certain programs and places that you say, man, I'd love to have the opportunity to work there. And there's a pedigree that comes with some of that, just like there is in professional sports. You 
you know, if you, if you're a Boston Celtic, there's pedigree that comes with that. And, um, you know, for me, I, I just, I, I love the opportunity of uh, being at a place like that. Just like I love the opportunity of, you know, being at Ohio state, there's tremendous pedigree that comes with this. So for me, it was, uh, it was a hard decision because, uh, you've got to tell a group of guys who you've invested in recruited in, and committed that you're, that you're leaving. And in some cases, you know, I probably pulled, you know, for advice, 10 college coaches and six or seven of them said, Hey, I wouldn't mess with it. If you're happy where you're at, don't leave. So it was a bit of a risk on, on our part as a family, but, uh, we ended up, um, making the jump. And then, you know, after a year is when everything kind of went crazy. And I'm really glad for those three years at Gardner Webb because they prepared me for what was coming next. Yeah. And would you say kind of those big goals and aspirations? Like I grew up in Columbus, always wanted to play at Ohio State, ended up playing at Miami. But you grew up outside of Lexington, Kentucky, which is obviously a big basketball area in Nicholasville, not too far for where I'm headquartered. Know how big basketball is in Ohio, Indiana, Kentucky. But growing up in Lexington, I believe a UK fan, was that always something like, hey, being on the biggest stage where you're at now at Ohio State? Was that always obviously as a goal, like for us as a staffing company, want to be a top staffing company in the country. Did you feel just kind of reviewing what you said, you know, taking that step, even though someone might say going from a head job to assistant job, but going to Butler was the appropriate step, obviously now to get to the, to the big stage. I did. I just felt like I wanted to coach the elite athletes, the best athletes I could coach. And I wanted to be challenged myself uh, with that. And, and, um, if that opportunity came, uh, came my way, I wanted to take advantage of it. And there's a risk because it's, you know, there's maybe a little bit more security at, at, um, at some of the lower levels. Um, but if you're coaching at a Butler or an Ohio state, those are two power programs who are, um, um, there's, there, there's a, there's an expectation and, um, I think for me, it was the challenge of, of what comes with that. And I, I've, I've not been ever, you know, afraid of taking risk um, in in my career. And I think there's, there's a, a bit of that that's kind of required. Um, uh, if you're going to navigate a career, um, you do have to be willing to take some risk and to believe in what you feel like uh, you can, you can uh, accomplish and uh, I'm not saying being at one place for 30, 40 years is there's real value in that too. But um, I do think there's a there's a risk taking element that uh, that's important as you navigate your career early in your career. Absolutely, you were a baller yourself. You know, I know uh, looking back <laughs> a little bit, playing at uh, I know you played at two schools, but finished out at Taylor. And uh, so you still, I know you just turned 50. It looks like. Last November, is uh, you still putting up buckets and still getting shots up with the guys, or what's the? I what's wish, the- I wish. You know, uh, I've had a lot of conversations, like Ryan and a- Ryan Day, and I've had a lot of conversations about we just don't do stuff like that anymore because we know an Achilles snap is going to happen within the first ten minutes of, of uh, doing something like that. So it's our greatest fear is we're going to be wheeled around on that little cart when you, when you tear your Achilles. So no, no playing, um, love exercise. It's important for mental health, but, uh, hoops is not a part of it. 
Yeah, no doubt. Well, speaking of Taylor University, you know, I know you talk about Coach Paul Patterson quite often, and you're quoted as, I think the core of who I am as a coach comes from him. Can you talk about the, the impact of Coach Patterson? Yeah, Kyle. You know, I think we always have those people in our lives who kind of push us to be something that, you know, we're not sure we can be. Um, you know, I love uh, love the quote, uh, everything we want is on the other side of hard. And I, I think there's some real truth in that, that um, the things that we really want come out of really doing really hard things and consistently doing really hard things and then challenging yourself to you know, to do even harder things. So um, that was a really hard experience for me, um, challenging and, you know, mentally, physically. But what came out of that was, um, you know, me being able to push myself beyond limits that I thought I could. So I think for me, um, his influence was significant then, and it was significant all the way through uh, his his passing uh, in the later years of his life. So. And you talk about how impactful and then, you know, living your values, you must make a commitment to your values and live them daily. Some of the values for, for, you know, your program, you talk truth, humility, respect, and toughness. You, uh, touch upon, um, those values that you have for your program. Yeah, they're, they're, um, listen, they're, they're things that we, want to discuss and want to be about and uh, want to live and <clears throat> want to create as habits for us as we um, as we go about our, our daily lives. And the expectation is not perfection, but the expectation is that that we'll respect uh, what our what our values are and and um, and try to live those and how we play and uh, interact with each other and uh, how we go about our um, daily lives uh, off the floor and in class. And um, that's, that's, that's the expectation. And I, so we, we, we talk about them and they're really, you know, a lot of ways, transcendent values. They, they transcend just, um, you know, one particular thing. We can talk about toughness as it relates to basketball, and then we can talk about uh, toughness as it relates to, um, you know, fighting fighting your way through with the right attitude and the right approach and right resiliency, something really challenging in your life. Um, so, um, you know, this is, um, you know, as much as anything, um, you know, we want this to be, a situation where our players feel different. They feel like they're different after their time here. And they, they feel like they have grown and matured. Um, you know, one of my favorite uh, uh, articles is a New York times article talking about thin and thick organizations and this idea behind um some organizations <coughs> kind of deal with surface and then some really touch the total body, the heart, the mind, the body, all of it. And as much as possible, you know, as much as we can as a basketball program, we want to have an, a, a total person impact. Yeah. And I think I saw that, you know, recently with uh, EJ Lydell and, and uh, 
just like watching you, um, following you on Twitter, the love that you guys have and the brotherhood. So, you know, all the former players, whether you coached them or not, come back and just watching the interactions genuine and just seeing you with your players, you know, as a former player and as a dad of three, I know you're a girl dad. And um, as a father, you appreciate to see the love uh, given from coaches to to young folks and to develop them as human beings, and not just elite basketball players. And you're doing both. Um, speaking of the, the the change of the game, it's, it's, it seems to be and you know, obviously everyone's keeping a close pulse. How do you with kind of the I guess the the I guess it's a transient kind of environment overall is turning into that people can move on a dime. How do you get the values into somebody where there's so much movement on rosters and different things? Like, how do you really get guys to to circle around a core set of values and to really get some continuity there? Yeah, I think they have to believe that. Um, I think they have to see it modeled, and I think they have to. You know, you you can't build team chemistry with the a team full of selfish people. So it really, you want to try to vet um, that in the recruiting process. And you try to recruit people who are going to embrace the idea of being a part of something versus it being exclusively about them and their individual endeavors. But I think uh, beyond that, once you have a group together, I think if you can model for them, Hey, what, this is what, um, really successful players at the highest level of, of uh, athletics, the highest level of sport, uh, this is what they've done. And this is how it has elevated them. Ultimately, they didn't do it because it elevated them. They do it. They did it because um, they believe this gives them the best chance to compete for championships and compete at the highest level. And then what ultimately comes out of that is individual success on top of it. So um, we try to show video clips, messages, video messages, um, specific situations in press conferences, in games where guys have displayed what we want displayed. And um, I think that's always a great example. If the best players in the world can do it, then certainly our guys can. Yeah, and I think uh... – Something um, that Coach O, who I have a close relationship with, who was on the podcast, uh, former Miami coach, who's now assistant coach, you know, he said you're, you know, just develop, you know, human development is something you believe in. You know, being a learning leader, I know you listen to podcasts, hopefully you listen to the learning or the underdog podcast now, at least one or two of them. Uh, I will. All I right. Will there we go. Yes. Hell yeah. Uh, I know you, uh, you, you get some exercise in and listen to podcasts or some audibles yeah. or reading books, but. What, what, what is, you know, um, your drive, you know, what, what are some of those things, um, you know, as Ryan Hawk would say, who's a mentor of mine, you've been on his podcast, you've never arrived, you're always becoming, what are some, maybe some leadership, other leadership, um, mindsets, strategies, implementations that you put in your program? Is there anything else there? Um, you know what, uh, repeat the last question, if you would. Just as far as like anything else, as far as, you know, like you said, you're sharing different things. Is there anything particular like books or thought processes? Do you guys do team reads? Do you do, like you said, some of the learning stuff, anything that maybe someone else say, oh, that's great content. That's a great book. Is there any other leadership 
things. I, I know a lot of our followings always asking like, Hey, what are your guests? Like, what are books are they reading? What are podcasts or different leadership, uh, maybe, you know, thought processes yeah. to engage with? Yeah, I think it's, I do think it's really important for, um, you know, I, I love the learning leader is, you know, Ryan's stuff is great. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, the best leaders I've been around have, have, have been guys who have constantly, um, sought out ways to, to increase their leadership capacity. Um, and I think, um, you know, for me, um, I think one of the things that, that with, with leadership is if you're constantly giving and, and you're not getting, you're not feeding yourself, I think ultimately it's really going to impact your ability to be, to be your very best. So, you know, I think what I would challenge people is, 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 is what are they feeding themselves with consistently? You know, what are their daily habits? Um, what are they putting, what, what are they putting in their minds and their bodies and their thought life? Um, uh, for me, I, you know, there's, there's a couple different podcasts that I'll listen to um, really several different that involve leadership. Ryan's is one of them. Awesome. Obviously I'll add you to the rotation now as well. <laughs> um, Andy Stanley's one that I've listened to for a while. He's got a specific leadership podcast. He's a pastor out of Atlanta. And I just, I think he's got really good insight into, into leadership. Um, Craig Crochelle is another one that I've listened to, but there's a lot that, that I'll, I'll listen to. Um, and then I'll listen, listen to some, some specific uh, podcasts relative to my field, to basketball coaching. What are some of the current trends going on in, in college basketball and in NBA basketball? And how can I learn from coaches at lower levels, so to speak, or, um, or coaches at, uh, uh, at, at, at higher levels in the NBA? Um, and then, you know, I think, um, I, I think really spending time, um, you know, I've shared with people, one of my favorite all time books is grit and I've, I'll try to, you know, reread that as much as possible. Um, I read a book last year, the ruthless elimination of hurry, which is a bit uh, more of a, a, a spiritual book, but, but the idea behind, um, allowing yourself, um, um, you know, just the idea of keeping a perspective um, and being mindful of what's what's ultimately most important and what drives you uh, to be your best. Um, so, um, you know, there is, um, you know, there are a ton of books and I can share with you if, if you'd like um, the culture code. There's a ton of books that I feel like have had, have had, uh, have been impactful for me, uh, but it's between books and podcasts. Um, and then obviously conversations with, with coaches that I really respect that I feel like can, um, you know, can say hard things to me um, that can uh, be impactful. Um, and it's not always coaches. Maybe it's just guys in other leadership positions where I'm listening and can can pick their brains on areas that, um, you know, one of the things about leadership is, you know, that I've learned is, you know, your greatest insecurities get exposed in leadership. 
And I think if you want to be a really effective leader, you've got to really consistently work on yourself. And um, um, because you just, you know, your greatest insecurities end up leadership just has a way of exposing that. And um, then you react emotionally or then you, um, so uh, I think, um, I think the idea of constantly working on yourself is really critical. Yeah. What, what is something this off season? Are you kind of in the mix of it? And I know you're recruiting like crazy because uh, I've been watching obviously a lot of the, the uh, high school stuffs on ESPN these days and saw a game the other night. So I'm sure you're recruiting, but what are maybe one of the weaknesses or off season things you, for you personally, to become a better uh, human or a better coach, better father, better husband, what are maybe one of those insecurities that you're, you're comfortable sharing or something you're, you're working on getting better at? You know what I think as much as anything is um, I am trying to uh, create a system of habits, a more consistent system of habits in my life that is um, uh, driven by what's most important to me. So it sounds um, maybe oversimplistic, but uh, Atomic Habits is a book that I'm rereading. I'm sure you've read it. Um, I'm rereading it, but I think there have to be certain systems in your life where you're saying, you know what, this is what's most important to me. Maybe it's date night with your wife, or maybe it's um, an hour of reading a day, or maybe it's, you know, I'm not coming off a half an hour of exercise a day, or maybe it's, you know what, I'm I'm going to limit my social media to 45 minutes a day or whatever the case may be. So I think for me, what I'm trying to do right now is um, create a system of habits that I can consistently um, um, be, that, that can consistently be a part of my life. Um, and I think uh, incorporating them and uh, because I think that's going to help me be be my very best. And when I get busy and when my schedule gets hectic and, um, or when I just become less disciplined than I'd like to be, um, I don't, you know, I just don't feel my best, if that makes sense. No, I, I love that. Appreciate the transparency there. And I just became a girl dad and my daughter Reese was born. She just turned one. No, I believe you have a daughter named Nora. Any advice uh, in in the in the realm of fatherhood, in uh, especially with uh, being a girl dad? You know what? Um, I'm at this. I'm at this st- uh, stage in my girl dad life where um, pretty much every morning, um, my wife, who's awesome, and my daughter, who's great. Um, uh, as I, as I go down in the morning, I hear shouting, you know, shouting matches. They're at that age where they're just mom and daughter butting heads. So my first piece of advice would just be brace yourself for that. These next 10 years, uh, just brace yourself for those, for those moments. Um, but, um, you know, I think the, um, you know, I don't think our daughters can hear enough, um, how much we uh, value them and and how much we love and care about them because I think um, you know I just was reminded of that the other day like I just 
You know, I want my daughter to feel beautiful inside and out. I want her to, in, in everything in society is, um, um, is competing for her attention and, uh, is, is pushing her in ways that, uh, um, that are, that are concerning. So I just want her to feel really, really special inside and out. And I think that affirmation has to come from, from dads. I love that advice. I really appreciate, uh, appreciate that. I need everything I can get being a learning leader. It's, uh, I got two boys. I tell you what, that's Right now, Reese oh, you is got two boys too. Yeah, six, four, and and, and Reese is one. And, and right now, it's World War, whatever, every day in in the in the Decker household uh, with the boys battling. Um, but well, I feel bad for for Reese coming up. She's got two brutes in front of her, but I guess they can protect her too. So maybe yeah. that will uh, be be a good thing. But um, really appreciate. Uh, last question, Coach. Where do you see the future uh, of your program? And you know, uh, always love to know where where you're in. Invi- visualizing, uh, the Ohio state program and yourself moving forward. You know what? I, I love where, I love where we're, um, where we're at. I love how we've recruited. Um, uh, I feel like we've set a real baseline here of, of success, Kyle. That's hard, that hard to get to. It's hard to uh, be a tournament team every year. And yet at the same time, um, I, I think, uh, and appreciate the fact that we're hungry for more and um, the, the challenge for us is getting to this next step as as a program. So I love love where we're at in terms of our recruiting. Uh, I just I just signed the long term extension, a, a six year deal that I'm really excited and grateful uh, about to, to be here. And I think I think the best is ahead of us here as a program. Um, so. Uh, we've uh, we've had some really good moments, but uh, uh, we know there's a lot more that need to be accomplished. And uh, it's what our focus is right now is, you know, we talk a lot about focus on the bricks, not on the wall. That's really been the challenge for us is brick by brick. Uh, keep building this thing into a, a situation that uh, uh, can consistently compete for championships. Yeah, no, I, I love I love everything about that and really appreciate your time, coach, today. I know you're really busy and like I said, you're formulating those habits, and, and uh, I know the the listeners and those that are out there uh, listening to this will, will really appreciate it as well. So on behalf of the Underdog Podcast, uh, thank you for your time today. Absolutely. Great being with you and look forward to uh, um, listening to uh, your podcast Thanks here for listening to the Sounds Underdog Thanks, Podcast presented by the Riley Decker Companies. Please do us a favor and help us change and improve lives by subscribing and giving us a rating on the platform of your choice. Thank you.